Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. From the TCL Studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Cousins gets time, and then he's hit. And the pass, a diving effort by Thielen, is complete. Wow. Thielen is just special. Cousins waiting. Throw it to the end zone. Thielen, touchdown. Keenum tipped. And let's see if it's intercepted. It is. Interception by John Johnson, the strong safety. It was deflected off of the hands of the linebacker, Corey Littleton. It's Cousins keeping it and running it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Gentlemen, kick your feet up for the next hour because the next hour is Case Keenum Apology Vent Line to Mackie and Judd. 651-646-8255. If you were one of the lunatic Case Keenum... Groupies You're coming in hot. That called our show. You are coming in hot today. Between wow. the months of January yep. and April, telling us we were idiots for not backing Case Keenum and the Vikings are making a huge mistake and you guys should no longer have microphones. We're open for apologies, baby. 651-646-8255. Who was the guy that called in the vent line? Every every week last year, Bob in Pennsylvania was it Bob in Pennsylvania? You call oh, now, them. Bob six five one six four six eight two five five. I love Bob, but Bob owes us an apology. <laughs> so let's see here, Case Keenum so far this year for the Denver Broncos, tied for the league lead, eight picks so far, including one uh, in the third quarter against the Rams on Sunday. That's one more than he threw all of last year. That too. is one more. In fact, yeah. in fact, in in fifteen. Regular season games, including 14 starts in 2017, he had eight turnovers total. He ranks 28th out of 34 uh, quarterbacks in the National Football League in passer rating at 80.5. He is 23rd in completion percentage at 63.1. And if you take the ESPN QBR statistic, he's 29th at 38.8. Cousins, 10th 10th in passer rating at 102.7. Third in completion percentage, 71.2. And seventh in total yeah. QBR. So uh, this this is not meant to pile on Case Keenum. It's more to highlight the reasons why. Funny because it came off that way well, when you started. <laughs> probably probably a little harsh. <laughs> probably a little harsh. Keenum tipped, and let's see if it's intercepted. It is. Yeah. So I think the moral of the story here is, as we were trying to answer the question last year of why is this guy a journeyman quarterback who's almost thirty years old. Why is this guy having a burst-out career season? Is it because 
He's a great leader, and the Vikings stumbled into this gem, like this Kurt, the second coming of Kurt Warner, that no one discovered him for all these years. And the answer was, yeah, he was a great leader, but it was Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs and a great defense that put the Vikings in front in games that made it easier to navigate. And Kirk Cousins is experiencing a lot of the same stuff here, right, where he's on pace for record numbers in almost every category. And it's because fumbles. Yep. And you can throw the ball to guys like Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs and they catch everything. So just want to point that out that if there was any question about whether they should have gone forward with a different quarterback. Now, Case Keenum would have put up good numbers, I think, with this offense, too. Not as good as last year, maybe, because the offensive line's not I as good. I think the Vikings were right, though. Yes. And, and yeah, I, I guess it got so bad that um, the last play before halftime on Sunday in Denver, Ke- Keenum went out. Chad Kelly came in the game and got huge applause. Now, now fans thought that he was being the Keenum was being benched. He, he, he was not. They feared that he might have a concussion, so they went through the protocol. But the point being is, Denver fans want him benched now. Yeah, and I think you know what? I think you're right. I think if he had stayed here and signed here, it wouldn't have been a total disaster. But I think I 2017 because you could just tell it was one of those yeah. special years, and those years, those years are not usually sustainable. Well, here's the other thing too: if in, in, most of the time in professional sports, if someone has a track record of something until they're almost 30 years old, and then all of a sudden they pop up and they have this crazy resurgence, right, or this this emergence, I guess would be the word. That's Likely to wear off. It's likely to be a magic carpet ride, and you come back to reality. Jose Batista in Toronto was 29, 30 years old, and that lasted. And so there are examples of guys who are 30-year-old breakout superstars. Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner, yeah. Kurt Warner came out, was 29 years old, and MVP of the league. and Yep. Yeah. He's an example. Um, but more often than not, that's why Kyle Gibson makes me a little nervous with the Twins, because all, all of a sudden, you're 30 years old and you figured it out. But now there are... If you look at some of his peripherals, it, he has figured out some things. Uh, but in general, if you're trying to figure out, is this for real or not, how old is he? Is he 24 or is he 30? Right. If he's 30, I don't know if I bet on it. And I think with Case Keenum, too, think about this. Okay, he threw seven picks last year, right? Which is good. He didn't throw a lot of picks. Yeah. Took care of the football. Numbers-wise, he took care of the football. But how many times did we watch games last year where he would make a throw where the defender either dropped the interception or Thielen or Diggs made a terrific catch because they're just that good. And us and we're sitting back watching this and saying, Boy, that was a bad throw by Keenum, man. It's a good thing that wasn't picked off. Yeah. How many times did we did that happen last year? It happened a fair amount. And that that was uh Zim's horseshoe comment after yeah. that Rams game. He's playing with a horseshoe was never meant as a compliment. It meant he's scaring me to death yeah. because eventually this is going to end. Yeah. Why is it that you could never point out those things though without being jumped on by certain fans? You could never you could never say what was true, which is it was always why are you piling on Keenum as opposed to well no, we're we're praising Diggs and Thielen and we're praising the defense and it was always you guys are all you do is rip on Case Keenum. It's like no, we're just calling it like we see it. I don't I don't I don't know why that's a problem. I think it goes to to the same thing as now that the discussion about Cousins fumbling problems, which are a completely legit discussion, but you do have fans who are like, give that a rest, who cares? But you're going to care in January if he fumbles, so you've got to fix that, or try to. It's things like that. I get that fans don't want want to hear about worst case or what can go wrong, but the reality is, if your team is going to win a championship, 
odds are you've got to clean those problems up now. Because if you go into January, I mean, Keenum, Keenum threw that ball in Philadelphia, basically what across the field, it got picked off, returned for a touchdown, and you said that was going to happen yeah. eventually. Which actually brings me to th- this is the this is the line that we have to draw on this show. Sometimes is Judd will con- J- Judd rides the line between pointing out things that might haunt you in the future and just flat out always finding the thing that's negative, even though ninety five percent of it might be positive. And we have to figure out where that line is with Kirk Cousins. Is Kirk Cousins, and there's actually a, an audiogram rant from Judd from Purple Podcast. Not yesterday. even a rant. It's the Farvinian concerns that yeah. I have. I think he's an upgrade over Case Keenum. I think Keenum, obviously, he had those same throws in him, and we saw them in the NFC Championship game. I think Kirk, well, let's, let's come back with this. I think Kirk Cousins is capable of being a Super Bowl championship quarterback. Do you guys agree with me? And let's go down that path when we come back here. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. The official, fo- I mean, the football hour is the 5 o'clock hour, but it's really the football day on Monday, to be honest. <laughs> Three hours uh, of football. Right, or you can find Ventline on demand, Purple Podcast on demand, and all kinds of written content on 1500ESPN.com. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, then. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check on your traffic very quickly here. 94 eastbound, we have a crash that's uh, adding a few minutes to your commute. That's near 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. Uh, Also, 94 westbound, an even bigger delay. That's because of a traffic incident, and uh, that is near Cedar Avenue and uh, Riverside in Minneapolis. 21 extra minutes there. And, uh, of course, uh, Highway 10, we have a crash between uh, Pryor Avenue and 694 in Arden Hills. uh, Prepare for an extra 11 minutes there. It's Murray. He breaks through. He fights off Antoine Bethane, goes in for a touchdown. First rushing touchdown of the season for the Minnesota Vikings. On first down, it's Murray with a big hole, and he breaks it into the long one. Antoine Bethay takes him down at the 34-yard line. So I found a list here. It wasn't that hard to find because the internet... I don't know if you guys are frequent very, users of it. Very helpful. The internets. You dabble, Manny? Yeah. In the internet? A little bit. So, modern era. Let's call it the modern era. Two, 2000. I just said this millennium. Okay. 2000 All right. uh, until now. Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. So, there's 18 of them since the year 2000. And I think Kirk Cousins is is as good, if not better, than... Forty percent of these Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. So obviously Tom Brady. Yeah. So okay. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Exactly eight of them. Look at you doing some math. Doing a little math, yeah. Um. So Tom Brady, legend. Ben Roethlisberger, Hall of Famer. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. There's just a few that you take off the board. Okay. So when I say I think Kirk Cousins is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, if the if everything else comes together, well, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, albeit with one of the greatest defenses of all time. So that's check. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Johnson, similar circumstances, one of the great defenses of all, all time. Not quite Ravens good, but in that mix. So, But Kirk Cousins is better than Brad Johnson. Check. Eli Manning. <laughs> 
And now that we've seen Eli Manning's full career in the scope of his career, and he yeah. took advantage of some really good defenses, and he got hot when it mattered. He deserves credit for how hot he got in the postseason. But that's an interception-prone quarterback who happened to ride circumstances. Let me ask you this. In Eli Manning's prime, was he was he very much cousins like as far as ability went? I mean, he's awful yeah. now, so it's unfair now. He's you, you you look at his leadership and you wonder he's a little bit weird in a different way. Where yes. he, he, they're a little bit awkward trying to fire up the troops and you're not quite sure. Like yesterday when Kirk Cousins was firing up the troops, <laughs> Stefan Diggs was staring at him just in this amusement type way. Like, what is he talking about? Like, this right dude's now? crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I think that they are, I, I think in their primes, those two are probably pretty much very similar. Eli's thrown a lot of picks, though, man. Yes. Eli, He's thrown a lot of picks. I think he led the NFL in interceptions one of the years that they won the Super Bowl. He threw 20 interceptions in 2007, didn't he's, he? He's led the, I'm looking at his numbers now. He's led the league three times wow. in okay. interceptions. What years? Because they won it in 07 in Two, 2011. 2007. Okay. He had 20, led the league. 2010, he had 25. <sighs> Um, the next year that they won, he had 16. He had 27, I think, in one year at one point. 2013, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty okay. 232 okay. interceptions in his career. So he, so he has two Super Bowl rings. All right. Joe Flacco, Kirk Cousins is better than now. Again, Joe Flacco got super hot for a couple postseasons and made no mistakes. Yep. But I, I think you would take Cousins' career arc over Flacco's. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's Nick, fair. Nick Foles. There's nothing other than Nick Foles' three games at the end of the year last year. There's nothing that says you would take Nick Foles over Kirk Cousins. The one year with Chip Kelly where he had like 28 touchdowns and like two picks. Right. But that's but that not, was that's not close. You're right. Right. But that yeah. was one year. So that's when I look at, okay, what what's the line there? Yeah, there's a lot of Brady's and Roethlisberger's and Russell Wilson's and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, but... Uh, I saw this nugget tweeted out, I think, by our guy Andy Carlson from the Purple for the Win podcast. The Vikings defense on third down, they they were uh, they were ten for ten, I think, yesterday on third down. They right, were. the Cardinals mm-hmm. did not convert. So the, not. on the season, the Vikings are now twenty seven percent third down conversions allowed, which is r- almost the same exact historical number as last year. So, if the question is is Kirk Cousins a quarterback who can win a Super Bowl, my answer is absolutely without question. But it goes back to what I talked about in hour one. The only thing you have to clean up is the fumbles. He's going to throw some picks, and that's fine, because he, he's thrown three in six games, which is not bad. But the fumbles, since he took over as a starting quarterback, Phil, in 2015, he now, I believe, is on 34 fumbles, 16 lost, all right? So my solution, and this is why that's his his lack of awareness when things break down at times and trying to make plays that can't be made are why he still falls out of probably a top 10 QB for me. If he had that ability to shuffle, he's top 10, but he doesn't. So the only thing I said is we're sitting here in mid-October. The solution is to go to Kirk and say, your offensive line's not great. I know that. What we need you to do is, unless unless the game absolutely calls for it, if you feel, if things are, are collapsing around you, if the pocket is basically going away, eat the ball. Or a, tr- or a hand transplant. Can we go, can we go find some Andre the Giant with... Have massive just, hands. I've got a Google here or a, a tweet, hand size tweet, Manny. Well, I was I was I just gonna it. wonder. Have we? I mean, because with Dante, we we were just talking about this last hour. 
it was that was the story, right? Dante's huge. He's this big guy, but he's got small hands. You know that was. Have we actually determined that Kirk Cousins has small hands? But do you or have, is, that you have just, the or is that just like a theory? Patrick tweeted me. He says, "Hold quick, on, is this real? Is this? Is it looks some, completely real." Reckless speculation. Just in, ca- just in case he made this stuff up. Quick Google search. Cousins' hand size: nine and seven eighths. Culpepper's was. 9.5. Favre's, by comparison, with, with a huge pause, 10.4. Hold on, so 10.4 is like 10 and 10 and 10 and 3 eighths? 10 and 3, yes. So, so say that again. So, ten, so Favre so, is 10 and 3 eighths. Yep, which is mammoth. Uh, Cousins it, is 9 and 4 eighths. And, and yes. Not, and, or not, 9 and 7 eighths. Oh, and Dante is 9 and 4 eighths. And Dante was 9 and Five, so nine and four eights. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Correct. So, so Brett Favre had an extra inch of grabbing the football ability with that right hand, which is that why mitt. He, which is why that mitt could could rake the ball past people yeah. without a problem. Why? Why do you guys think Kirk Cousins and the Vikings in general have looked so sluggish at home compared to on the road when they're just lighting it up for four hundred yards in the air in these tough locations? Wouldn't you think it'd be the opposite? That they that they would why are they losing to the Bills at home and kind of grinding it out in the first half against the Cardinals and turning the ball over? Is this something that's just an anomaly in the first half? I legit don't have an answer for it. I would have fully expected know. Kirk Even Cousins to light it up. Game, the 49ers game was kind of I mean, they won, but you're kind of going through that whole game thinking, eh, okay. They're winning, but the Niners are still hanging around and they're making some big plays and do teams do teams look like this offensively, that have big expectations press more at home? Try and do too much? I don't know. That seems very mm. football cliche. Yeah, it does. But, but I have no clue. The, the theory I, mean, the I Rams, had, here's Billy, a, you're right. This is just a total harebrained theory that I brought up with Manny on Ventline yesterday. And the, the more I think about it, I'm going to say it, but it's, it's even more harebrained. Kirk Cousins seems to thrive when he's an underdog. Every step of the way, right? Third round draft pick. In his mind, he should have been higher, and and so he works his ass off to beat RG three out as the starting quarterback. Okay, well, again, the Redskins don't have faith in me. They won't give me a long term contract. Well, I'm going to go throw for four thousand five hundred yards and complete almost seventy percent of my passes and shove it down your throats. You like that, right? Go sign the big contract. And again, he's better on the road with Minnesota than he is at home in situations against teams like Philadelphia, the Rams. Aaron Rodgers, where he's an underdog or perceived to be the inferior quarterback in a certain matchup or the inferior offense, and he's thriving. I almost feel like he brings a little extra in situations, big picture or in certain games where, yeah, people people are uh, are doubting you. Hmm. Or it's just a short, small Pretty sample size. Right there okay. too. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I'll say this. The Buffalo game was just off the charts terrible. Like there, there was was no excuse or plausible explanation for how they could have played so bad against Buffalo yesterday. I think when you have Rashad Hill at left tackle, that's a mammoth ask too. In Cousins' defense here, a you, mammoth ask ask oh, okay. of or well both of it's could a mammoth ask of your quarterback <laughs> to have to have poor Rashad Hill who is arguably, I guess, the guy that could start at right tackle, play on the left side, yeah. and then a rookie start at right tackle. So that's why I go back to one in doubt in situations like that game, eat the football. I don't need you to be a hero. 
yeah. take the sack. That, that, it's okay. That interception he threw in well, the first half one. was just was where, pretty bad. Where, where were you throwing that ball? Was that and then you watch it again? You think, oh, maybe there was a some sort of a route miscommunication, and there really wasn't. He was just backpedaling and threw it to. It, it was almost like he was throwing it away to an open spot, but didn't calculate the speed of the defensive <laughs> it wasn't back or open something. Enough, I have no idea. Uh, our buddy Tom Roller, loyal listener here, tweets into the show. Uh, noted Case Keenum apologist, by the way, Tom. That's right. We didn't forget. He's uh, he's ripping us for doing a CC. We were right, patting ourselves on the back segment there. You know what? Sometimes we have to. Sometimes we sit here and we take criticism from you guys and let us pat ourselves on the back for five minutes once in a while. And we spent the Tell whole we year. So. We spent. The, there, there's got to be a payoff here. We spent months telling you this right. would happen to Case Keenum, right. not just a show. Right. Exactly. Um, we're con- we're a little bit confused by how to calculate records. We should get to that at some point here too. I know you guys you guys did some stuff on Jimmy Butler early, but we've we've got sound bites and interesting reaction from shoot around that we can get to today. And uh, there was a there was a trade, a credible report about a trade that was offered, or at least a trade that the Wolves tried to counter that makes me scratch my head between the Wolves and the Rockets. Uh, so we can do that. Football Hour includes Matthew Collar and Courtney Cronin. It's Mackie and Judd. Manny Hill hanging out. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Good to see that the running game got going. I thought Latavius ran with uh, with a purpose, and I also feel like um, that uh, you know at the end of the ball game, our guys uh, got their pads low, fired off the ball. You know, they had a bunch of guys lined up in the gaps, and we had to try to knock them off the ball in order to run the clock out. And that that's what good teams do. Uh, you know, you finish games by running the football. Hey, why are the Vikings tied with the, or, or why why aren't I should say why aren't the Vikings tied with the Bears in the standings? Why? So the so the Bears. <laughs> I, I, I hate the tie. So the Bears the Bears yes. are three and two. Yes, they've played one fewer game than the Vikings because they already had their bye. Yeah. Right. So the Bears are three and two. Uh-huh. The Vikings are three and two with a tie. And. According to the NFL.com standings and ESPN.com, the Vikings are in second place in the division, and their winning percentage is 583 compared to the Bears' 600. So, is it, so the Vikings are getting credit. Is it for three and a half wins? Is that how that math works? My, I think so. Yeah. My understanding of when I used to do statistical work in standings as an agate clerk at the Star Tribune, when you're doing games behind, you take a tie. And it's half a win and half a loss. So it's 3.5 wins out of six. Does that a, work then? Yeah, it's 58% winning percentage. Okay, so that's but why. But the way my mind works, it's you're both 3-2, and two, and then you get extra credit for not losing this other game, so you should at least be tied? <laughs> Is that I mean, Mackie math? Should we, should we switch to the <laughs> NHL way and just give... Start making it a point system where you get two points for a win and one for a tie. The moral victory. How about a field goal <laughs> kicking contest if we're tied after the 10-minute overtime period? No team in the NFL wants a kicking contest right now based on what we've seen the first month and a half. The you Bears know, almost tied yesterday. You know we're going we're, we're gonna to see probably one or two more ties this season. Oh, for sure. Every week there's yeah. almost a tie or a tie. Yeah, it's, un, it's unbelievable. It actually needs to be fixed, too. Do you go back to a full overtime period? 
No. Instead of 10 minutes. Well, I, but I've never bought in, into this. It's it's a health safety issue. If we trim if right. we trim five minutes off the game, the players are less likely to get hurt. I've never just bought take, that. Take, Have you? Take 12 the, minutes, maybe? Take the clock out of, out of play and just do some hybrid version of what college does. I hate the college system, though. But okay, then instead of starting at the 25-yard line... How about you start at the 50-yard line, so you at least have to move it into field goal range. You move it 15 to yards into field goal range. Yeah. And, and so if so, first team gets the ball at the 50-yard line, and it's, and it's college rules from that point. But obviously, well, then you're setting up situations where you've got third down and 12 from the 48-yard line or fourth down, and then do you, I guess you go for it. And then, and then if they... You have to go for it, right? <laughs> do, right? Eventually? Yeah. But you know something like that, so that the game would the game would probably end within four possessions. You would think, unless it's just back and forth haymakers. It would be interesting to see how how that goes strategically too for coaches, because in the college game, you know both teams start at the twenty five yard line. So typically, when they do the coin toss, you usually say, "I want to play defense first, so I know what I have to do." But if they if the if in the NFL they start at the fifty yard line, I'd be curious to see what coaches do then, if they decide well. Maybe we'll maybe we'll play defense first, but then it's like, you know, you you go 15 yards and you're already in field goal range, mm-hmm. and it doesn't so be, be interesting to see death. how they do. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if that changes the strategy at all. Yeah, I just hate the tie. It is it weird. Screws it is, up it, the standings it, it, it completely, and now I'm, and now my season <laughs> is ruined because I'm always trying to factor in what this is going to mean to the Viking standing. Yeah, it is super weird. Here's another. Kirk Cousins question for you guys, and maybe we just don't know. So we we know that fumbles are a thing with him, and he had he had the the strip again yesterday that led to a touchdown, right directly to a defensive touchdown. Mm-hmm. What about the batted passes? Six batted passes, seven yesterday. Seven batted seven passes. batted passes. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that was that feels like more than just a coincidence. Was that a Cousins problem or a pressure problem? Because the the offensive line was just not that good. I, I mean, don't know the answer maybe a to that. Little bit of both, but it wasn't like when you think of the seven. It was. I, mean, I, I feel like at least on five, maybe even all seven, he stepped into the throw on at least five of them, mm-hmm. and it was Chandler Jones or somebody with a massive paw. Does he not? Okay, this is a theory that Manny brought up on Vatline. Does he not pump fake enough? Are we like that's really football. Are his hands too small to pump fake? Oh, because oh, you oh, lose oh. the ball. This is all coming back to hand well, size. Listen, we just got through talking about Favre. <laughs> I know. You're right. You're right. But, but what do we talk about with Favre? Favre had these huge Greg hands. Lewis. And so the Greg Lewis play, yeah, he could hold the hand. He could hold the ball out like this and do sort of a pump fake, yeah. avoid pressure. I think he might because be he had something. massive hands and he didn't lose grip of the football. I wonder if, are Kirk's, if Kirk's hands, hands are too small. Are, then Are Kirk's hands too small or is Kirk? Not maxim- That's what I think we need to find or, out. Or is he not maximizing his hand size to the best of his ability so that he uses what God gave him? Football! Football, yeah! yeah! Football! Yeah! Football! Yeah! 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 This type of stuff that's not being broken down all over the AM or FM dial right no. now, I'll tell you that. No, that's a, that's an interesting one. I mean, if I had, if my hands weren't the biggest in the you know quarterback sphere, I'd probably be a little insecure about it. Okay, since we're going down the list of things from yesterday, just here's another thing that I, it, 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 I tweeted immediately about this. But Rondé Barber was on color commentary. I saw this, and oh, so Rondé said verbatim after an Adam Thielen catch. I think it was after Adam's first or second catch in the first half. This is Adam Thielen, by the way, who leads the NFL in receptions, mm-hmm. who's on pace for 
God. 154 catches. 154 catches and 1,007 or 800 yards mm-hmm. this season. Quote, Thielen's not going to blow you away with his athletic ability. Did he okay. see did he see the third and thirteen catch? Exactly. In the third quarter, which is one of the which was one of the most spectacular, like you got no yeah. chance to catch that ball. Oh my god, he just caught that ball. Yeah, right. That that catch alone negates this comment by Rondé Barber, right? Like mm-hmm. if you don't if you're not gonna wow someone with athletic ability, you're not gonna reach out fully stretched, pull the ball off the ground basically as you're falling out of bounds. Does Rondé Barber really prepare for games at all? I don't I don't know. This, but this this whole like racial connotation receiver thing has jumped the shark. Yep. If you can't watch Adam Thielen and say to yourself, "Whoa, regardless of what color his skin is, that's just one of the flat out most incredible wide receivers on every level." Yep. Athletically, route running, even speed. Okay, is he as fast as Randy Tyreek Moss Hill. in his Yeah, no, not necessarily. Or as I saw Matthew Collar arguing with some people on Twitter about this, does he have the burst necessarily? No, but he ran a 4440. Right? He ran a 4440. He's, he's got plenty of speed. He's fine. How can you watch him and not think that he has amazing athletic ability at this point? But I will say this. That dead arm dance was the worst thing I've ever seen. Disagree. <laughs> that was a just totally disagree. Okay, then you then you should That's come watch me. Then you should come watch me dance. That was a Zolgad type. In fact, I will dance right now and I will look exactly like those guys. Hold on, let me queue up some we got do you have any music that we can queue up? Oh my God! I saw that dance and I said, "Kirk Cousins and I, same dancer." Actually, you know what? Here, what we're gonna we're gonna give you the wild goal scoring song. No, that's not. No, that's what you're not even moving your arms. You're yeah, just well, like yeah, they're flailing you're around. the air. They're flailing around. <laughs> I look like Cousins. No, that's how Cousins looked. No. <laughs> flailing is correct. That was the worst thing I've ever seen. I said they I, I look like a bunch awesome. of dads. That was the point. The point was to look like. Well, what's the? What, is it from a movie, right? Or is it? Is it the weekend at Bernie's? Well, it's not we're talking about, right? The, Thielen cleared that up. He said he said people mistake it for the Bernie dance, but it's not. And he was saying that at Mankato State, he and his teammates did this dance, but it's not to be confused with the Bernie dance. Oh, okay. In fact, he was slightly offended that people thought it was the Bernie dance. Okay. <laughs> We need to get to the bottom of this. I feel like Adam Thielen is a celebration ringleader. He's come up. He came up with the soccer celly when they were in London. That was good. I like that one. I feel like he was the leapfrog ringleader, or was that Kyle Rudolph? Maybe it was Kyle Rudolph. It might have been Rudolph. What was the one they had in the Saints game last year, the the, the playoff game, where somebody? I, I feel like Murray ran for a touchdown or something like that, and they went off. It was like a freeze tag thingy or something like that, where Keenum. Did like the pose where he had the fist up like oh, this, and yeah, then somebody yeah. tagged him, and then mo- and then he moved or something. I don't know, some yeah. sort of weird freeze tag thing. Yeah. We should put video. Maybe we get video of Judd doing this to see if this resembles at yeah. all. We can put this out to the masses. The dead arm dance. <laughs> um, when we come back, we're going to get to the football hour officially in the five o'clock with Collar and Courtney Cronin. But let's get back to Jimmy Butler Gate here. Some comments from the last couple days, and also a trade that was apparently discussed between the Rockets and the Timberwolves, and what the Timberwolves wanted out of this trade sort of boggles my mind. But let's first talk about... Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check on your traffic. 494, we have a crash in Minnetonka that's adding about six minutes 
to your commute. That is uh, between Baker Road and Excelsior Boulevard. And uh, also 35E northbound, we have a crash uh, in St. Paul. Uh, that's between 10th Street and uh, 94. Factor in about an extra eight minutes if you're headed northbound on 35E. And also 694 westbound, we have a crash in Fridley. Uh, that's between uh, University Avenue and East River Road. Factor in about an extra seven minutes there. This isn't personal. That was my message to everybody. It's, it's not personal, especially to my guys. You know, We're the ones that got to rip and run up and down this court every single day. Um, I make sure to remind them every single day. I'm paying attention. I'm watching. Um, I'm helping. I'm studying the film just like you are, just because I want to help everybody be better. I want y'all to um, win games. Um, my name's still attached to this thing. I'm still here. So uh, we better win. We're here. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead, boo me. Yeah. Ain't, ain't going to change the way that I put. That's going to make me smile more. So please come on hey, with it. So Jimmy Butler speaking to that's the first time he's spoken with the local assembled media throughout this whole ordeal because he did the Rachel Nichols thing. Exactly. But now that he's going to suit up for their opener here in a couple nights, what is it today? The 15th. So Wednesday night, right? Their opener is Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Now that this thing has essentially gotten to the starting line, the it's almost like the Wolves have regained some leverage on the league here that they somehow navigated this, these choppy waters. And how can you, you can't bring that guy back to practice and, Oh my God, you brought him back to practice and that happened. And then the 72 hours of bleep storm. And now here we are and he's still at practice. They're going to play and no one has destroyed each other yet. So they're going to, he's going to play and they've somehow emerged out of this with a team intact. And I guess my question would be if they start 10 and two and they're and it's for whatever reason, like they're, they don't love each other, but the encore chemistry is good enough because they have Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns where they start hot and they're one of the best teams in the Western Conference again like they were last year. Do you keep riding it or do you still try to trade him as soon as possible? I would still try to trade him as soon as possible for something that helps me for the next five years, but I wonder what they're going to do. It's only a matter of time, though, before he, he melts down again. Because keep in mind, the agreement that was reached between Taylor and Butler supposedly on Sunday is... We will try to. We will continue to try and trade you as soon as possible. Just be a, a good guy for now, and then Tibbs is sort of like I don't know if he's renounced himself or what. But when, when he was asked about this on Sunday, got this diabolical smile like I'm getting my way, and that's all I care about. Oh Which if you're Butler, you're gonna say bleep you. I was told I could be traded soon. I want out. So I think the response to your question is if you could. If you felt that this organization had the ability to control this, I think your scenario would absolutely be fine, but I don't think they do. I think Butler, I, if Butler's here in two weeks, I think he's going to go a bleep again. San Antonio, Cleveland, Dallas, Indiana, okay, Toronto, <laughs> Milwaukee, first- LeBron. <laughs> so Those my, are the first seven games of the season. Oh, and after LeBron, Utah, Golden State, Portland, the Clippers, LeBron again. The first easy game of the season, in theory, on paper. The Bills? Is, yeah, the first <laughs> the Bills, Bills game. Yeah, Sit the Josh first, Allen in that game. The yeah, first yeah. Bills-like game where we look and say, yeah, they, they won't lose that game, <laughs> is November 9th at Sacramento. Okay. Maybe I should have checked the schedule all before floating first, that hypothetical. Those, all of those games I listed beforehand are all losable <laughs> for this team. Every so last one of them are losable. Yeah. But he's going to go crazy again. Well, that's that's it's just thing. a matter of time. That's the thing. If they're 
again, San Antonio, Cleveland. Now, Cleveland doesn't have LeBron anymore, but they've got Kevin Love and they've got Colin Sexton, who I think is going to be really good. That's a losable game. There's the quote from Butler on there that's very telling, which is, if I tell Tibbs I want to come out and he doesn't take me out, I will motion to the bench to come out. I can go out there and I can play. You know, it's, it's all about playing hard. I think I can do that. When I'm gassed, you know, I'm tired, I'll look down at Tibbs and say, Tibbs, I need a break. If he doesn't um, take me out of the game, I'll, I'll call upon Rook and Josh to come to the scores table. Uh, they know. I talk to them mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. I miss my guys. Uh, I want to compete. They know that. Um, they know I have um, my best interest in it, theirs. Um, I tell them everything that I see out there on the basketball court because I want them to be great. Um, if I'm out there, if I'm not out there, I want you to be the best basketball so player. So weird. And there's obviously their community. They're communicating, but by they I mean Jimmy Butler and his teammates and people behind the scenes much more than we know publicly, even much more than the Adrian Wojnarowski's and the John Krasinski's are reporting. Here, here's something a little bit off the beaten path here. If they do go forward with the Jimmy Butler trade line of thinking, I don't know how you can allow something like this to happen, for instance, where, and I can't remember who reported this. I, I believe it was Mark Stein from ESPN, but or formerly of ESPN. Is he still with ESPN? New York Whatever. Times, no. Okay. That the Wolves asked for Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker in a deal with the Houston Rockets for Jimmy Butler. And okay, just all things equal on paper. If you were to if you were to turn around Jimmy Butler for PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon, say actually, you know what? Just in terms of what you'd be getting in return and maybe chemistry and fit and all those things, your roster would still be pretty damn good. And like PJ Tucker is a great two way player. Eric Gordon, not a great defensive player, but Eric Gordon can twenty points a game, three point shooter. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem: those guys are thirty and thirty three years old. Why is Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden, by extension? Asking for a 30 and a 33-year-old in return for a really, really good top 12 asset in the NBA right now. You know why? Because if you look at the Rockets roster, the Rockets probably going to win 50-plus, maybe 55 games, something like that this year. They don't really, outside of James Harden and Chris Paul and Clint Capella, they don't really have anything else that is can provide some value in a return for Jimmy Butler. Yeah, but that's what the Wolves are asking for. I'm, I mean, if they, uh, Clint Capella would be the thing that you'd want, but the Rockets would never trade Clint Capella. Right. To, but that's that's just it, though. I think because, I mean, they know they're not going to get Chris Paul back, and they know they're not going to get James Harden back. So if, for me, it's like, why are you even having a conversation with the Rockets? Because they're not, they don't have, they have what you would like to have, but they're not going to give you Harden or Paul or Capella. Tibbs, so like, why are you even bothering to have a conversation with them about it? Tibbs wants veteran Tibbs guys back. Yeah. And and that's why that's why the Heat deal, which we all said, oh, take that, he upped it. He doesn't want. He's convinced that he can save his job, which is the most asinine thing there is. Well, but you know, but here's the thing. Here's the, this is what's warped. He could save his job if he attached himself to Carl Anthony Towns instead of Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has already said, even if even if Jimmy Butler makes peace with the roster and <laughs> yeah. he plays the whole season, the chances of him playing the whole season. And and still finding enough to want to go back to Minnesota based on everything that's happened would be the upset of the century for this organization. But if Tom Thibodeau, if he shifted his mindset and said, all right, yeah, it sucks. I really wanted this thing to work with Jimmy, but whatever. That. Screwed it up. Okay. Carl Anthony Towns is the thing we're going to hitch our wagon to, which means we're not going to use Jimmy Butler as trade bait for 30 and 33-year-olds. You use him as trade bait to get 24-year-olds and assets that could... 
that could be pinned to Carl Anthony Towns for the next five or ten years. He can't do that. He has no idea how to coach those guys. That's his problem. Wiggins is going to regress into a pile of nothingness, largely on him, but also partially on on, on the coach who has no idea what to do with him. 651-646-8255. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Roger in Richfield. Hi, Roger. Roderick here. Roderick. Hey, what's Roderick? going on, buddy? Hey, it's going well. First of all, I wanted to give a quick shout out, uh, and this is not a shot at Manny Hill, but as a longtime listener, I just wanted to say that I gravely miss Dave Harrigan. You know, Mackie and Judd, you two are the meat and potatoes of the show. And Dave Harrigan was like the spice for the seasoning that kind of brought it all together. So I don't know where Dave is, but if he's listening, just let him know that, you know, he's sorely missed by me. Yeah, Dave, my- just to answer, Dave was an awesome part of the show for a long time, and Dave helped make some really fun radio for a long time. So pour one out. Yeah. And so I don't take, Roderick, I don't take offense to that at all because I miss Dave too. Dave was awesome. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Well, my Timberwolves comment is uh, I'm kind of torn here because. As Judge just said a second ago, you know, Thibodeau wants the Chicago Bulls. And I don't know if you guys noticed over the weekend that the Knicks released Joe Kim Noah. And so <laughs> I was wondering, do you think Tib is crazy enough to sign Joe Kim Noah? And I'm kind of split on the decision. I don't think he should sign him because his knees are shot. But back in January, February, when we signed Derrick Rose, I sent him to write that down, that by the end of the year we would sign Joe Kim Noah. So part of me wants to sign Joe Kim Noah so I can get to write that down right. <laughs> and the other part of me says he doesn't have any skills. Your thoughts? Yes. Yeah, so I saw something. Uh, Roderick is one of our favorite callers. So that's, I think that's the first time Roderick's called in since we switched time slots. So I saw Chris Sheridan from Sheridan Hoops tweeted something over the weekend uh, saying, for all for all of you people clamoring for Tom Wo- Thibodeau, Wo- and too. that they hate each other. Okay. Woj tweeted immediately. So someone from the Wolves, probably Tibbs, called him and said, I'm not pursuing him. Yeah, just to, just to, just to put some cold water on it. Yeah, because I think they asked Joakim Noah a couple of years ago. I think he was still with the Bulls at the time. And they asked him about his relationship with Tom Thibodeau. I think his answer was something along the lines of, well, it was a love-hate relationship. Yeah, I remember so I think that, there too. Some, I think there were some butting of heads back yeah. then. Somebody didn't like Tibbs. I can't imagine that. <laughs> Shocking. But, but all of those guys are those guys are Tibbs. Like Luol Deng, Derek Rose, they're all Tibbs loyalists to, a, to the grave. But this goes back to your question, Phil, of like why is Tibbs not investing more into Carl Anthony Towns as like the future and everything? Because I just don't think he's capable. Think, think about this. In the two years since he took over, and really in the last year since the Butler trade, every move he's done to add to add somebody has been adding a former Bulls player because he can't. He doesn't have the ability, I don't think, to branch out and say to identify somebody that he didn't coach in Chicago and say that guy can help us. Now, I mean, look, he brought in like Jamal Crawford and he got Anthony Tolliver and stuff like that. But think about it. Last summer, okay, we traded for Jimmy Butler. I love Jimmy. I got my guy, Jimmy. We got cap space. Taj Gibson's on the market. Let's bring in Taj. Now, I'm, I'm, Taj was great last year, so I'm not knocking it. But, oh, Jimmy's hurt. We need, you know, we need another, we need another two guard. We need another scoring two guard to give us some offensive punch. Oh, Derek Rose is out on the street. Let's yeah. go bring him. Like, every answer, for the most part, has just been, I got to go bring in a guy that I know. But what's weird is, 
it wasn't that long ago, seven or eight years ago, that he took a group of bulls that he had never worked with before, including young players, and he and he molded them to the point where they won the sixty games. So but he had no roster this, control at that time. Sure, that's a good point. So he's choosing to bring in some of these guys. That's a good point. Yeah, and the, these guys are trying to find jobs now. Aside from Butler, you, you basically got aging players who want jobs, and Tibbs thinks that these guys love him. I'd be curious to hear what they would say if you were to go to him and say, Derek Rose, do you really love Tibbs? He'd be like, I was just yeah. trying to get a job. Yeah, Luol Deng. And this sucker paid me. Yeah, Luol Deng is a great example, right? I, yeah. Will anyone roster me is the question. We're yeah. looking to add wings. Yeah. Oh, here comes <laughs> here comes Luol Deng. Chicago yeah. wings. Yeah. Um, that should be a style. I don't even know if that exists. You might have just invented a we'll style develop wing. It. Uh, the football hour, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin coming up. We will continue to recap a Vikings win, and here's a question to ask, too. What did you think of this team before the Eagles game, and now two wins later, what are your thoughts on this team relative to the rest of the NFC? Mackie and Judd. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN.